This is episode 86 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Welcome back, everybody. Maureen, how are you? Horizontal, how are you? Horizontal again. I've made Maureen's dreams come true when recording a podcast yet again. Set up the microphone stand. So Maureen is laying on the couch. I am sitting on our basement floor. We are coming at you on whatever day it is. Have you? Lo- I've lost all track of time. It's been over four weeks. It's been over four weeks of being in our home. We're very grateful we're able to do that, but it, it has uh, felt like a very long time. And, you know, I think we re- we used to re- release these on Monday mornings, but what, what's a Monday morning anymore? I mean, they all seem to that blend is together. not true. I feel it is Monday for me. mornings for anyone it is working for me. from home. I'm working from home and they all feel the same to me. No, I, I tell a major difference between the weekends because I don't have to be like plugged in and trying to do work and parenting. Technically, you're correct, except I just feel like there's so little boundary between working and and your regular life when your work and your life are in the same place so maybe that's just me but you know we're bringing this to you on day we'll just call it day today tomorrow it's all the same it's all the same to me and i'm one of the co-hosts so that's what i decide (laughs) all right maureen we have a little bit of follow-up before we get into our topics for this evening first a couple episodes ago we talked about the star of wonder woman gal and we didn't really know how to i said i don't know how to pronounce her last name well i got i had a friend reach out to me who said she learned from Gal's manager how to properly say her name. And the proper way to say it is Gal Gadot. So yeah. for all of you out there, Maureen might have already said that, but, you know, I think. I can't remember what I said, but it seems right when you say it that it way. seems right. So Gal Gadot, that is the proper way to say her name. So thank you to my friend who reached out and thank you for doing your due diligence. Maureen, we also had another friend reach out who said that. They, for one, were very excited that the late night hosts were back, even if it was in limited viewing opportunities on YouTube. I mean, I I can't say I'm that excited, but I'm glad that there are people getting enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives a nice sense of normalcy and like, you know, ties the weekdays together, perhaps. Yeah. And for those that don't know, this past weekend, they did bring back Saturday Night Live. They did a all at home version. I watched a little bit of it. Maureen watched a little bit of it. What's your uh, 10 second review of how how it went? We only watched a little bit of it. We'll just put it that way. I think it was a very good effort. I like that they did it. I like that lots of people are trying to, you know, find alternative ways to deliver content, but it was weird and strange and not that funny. Yeah. So they basically all did it from home, which is, you know, good that they're staying apart from each other not trying to get back together to do anything but for me it was just like how long can they keep this up you know like maybe one episode sure you can make fun of the zoom call which is what one of the sketches was was. but beyond that i mean how many sketches about zoom calls can you do well honey we're gonna find out because we're all doing them every day at work yeah so i don't know i i'm i'm for one i'm not like excited to tune back into Saturday Night Live. I will say the one bright spot was that they did have Tom Hanks hosting and he gave a monologue from his house and he was pretty funny, you know, with no audience to sort of, you know, laugh with him. I thought it was pretty good. But other than that, they struggled. And I think that's understandable because how are you going to create a sketch show by yourself in your home? Most of these people probably live by themselves or with their families. So unless they're enlisting the help of their you know, significant other or children to help them make things. 
I think they're going to have a tough time repeating something I like that. I did like seeing in the opening credits, like everybody kind of where they lived. I liked, saw a couple of them had their kids make cameos, a couple pets made cameos. That part was kind of cool. Yeah, that was great. I think Saturday Night Live at home for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, that's a, that's a success. Saturday Night Live at home for over an hour is probably not a success on a regular basis. But one other thing, a follow-up before we get into our snack bag this week. Maureen, last week we picked a new show to watch mm-hmm. from the list of shows recommended by the New York Times. The I think I, I misspoke on the podcast last week. It was actually the 20 best shows since The Sopranos. We mentioned The Sopranos as being one of them because neither of us have seen that. But anyway, we chose to watch or try to watch The Good Wife. It was between that and The Wire. I think we might check out The Wire at some point because both of us were interested in that. But we decided to check out The Good Wife. We found it on Hulu. And thanks to my free trial, we can watch a couple episodes with no commercials. Maureen, let me throw it to you first. What did you think of The Good Wife? Well, I love no commercials. So first and foremost, that is what I want to say about that. Um, (laughs) It's like you chose that as your new thing. I mean, I just love no commercials. Anything with no commercials. I like The Good Wife. We've watched three episodes now. Yeah, I think. three episodes. Here's things that I like. I like that it's one of those shows that has like like a somewhat continuing through line, but like you can easily watch one and walk away. Like it wraps up its mini storyline about the court case of the show within that 45 minute episode, which I really like because I don't have time to binge watch things right now. That may change on maternity leave. Or make it worse. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but it's nice to be able to be like, I'm going to watch one show. And you feel like, you know, they're not leaving you with like an epic hif- cliffhanger. I really like, oh, what's her name? I was gonna Juliana call, Margulies. I was going to say Maura Tierney. She was a different ER person. <laughs> yeah. Juliana Margulies. I really like her. Although she has a lot of just like stand and like react moments. And just like stand like stand and deadpan or like stand and look at people, which maybe a little bit much for me. Um, but overall, I like her character. Um, I think it's good. I think we'll keep watching it, but it's not the kind of thing that I'm like, oh, I really wish I had a Saturday to just binge watch this whole thing. Yeah, I also like it. I think Juliana Margulies is very good. She's a two-time Emmy winner for that show. So I think she won for the second season and I believe the fourth or fifth season. So maybe she gets more to do than stand and react. I mean, the whole her hair premise is amazing, of, although it's always in her face. Yeah, you did mention that. The whole premise of the show is that she is the wife of a disgraced former Cook County attorney in, in Illinois. But yeah, I like the show. I think the acting is very good. I think that I'm sort of torn between the the like mini story wrapping up so it's more like in that sense it's more like a procedural so it's more like a law and order where you get something presented to you at the beginning and then it's solved by the end as Maureen said versus sort of like the serialized nature of a show which is more like you're following a through line and you're following characters I would like a little bit more of that because I want to learn more about the characters that being said this is a network show or was a network show that was on CBS and so they had to fill 22 episodes of content per season, which is a lot for dramas these days. And that almost entirely has gone away at this point. Most shows are 13 episodes, 10 episodes. You know, some of my favorite dramas are no more than 13 episodes. And so it makes sense why they needed to sort of pad out some of the the content in the show. I just kind of wish there was a little bit more of like the main storyline you're following in the first season is, you know, Alicia Florick, the main character played by Juliana Margulies is separated from her husband because he's in prison on charges he 
claims are false and you're there's sort of a mystery there was he falsely accused did he really do the things that they're saying he did and so on and so forth so i'm a little interested in that i would love to see a little bit more of that but i also do like that it wraps up at the end of the episode so that you can sort of have some resolution moving forward so i think maureen's right we're going to keep watching at least until the free trial on hulu ends and then we'll see where we go from there but i'm glad we picked that one it's been enjoyable maybe we'll try the wire after that free trial ends yeah all right, Maureen, just two small things in the snack bag this week. The first one I saw is that, you know, we're we're four or five weeks into this stay at home, businesses pretty much being closed, you know, especially non-essential entertainment businesses. And I've started to see things where CEOs of major entertainment corporations are donating their salaries. This seems like a no-brainer, right? I yeah. mean, like the the CEO of Disney has said, I'll give up my whole salary. Considering Disney World just had to furlough like I mean, tens of thousands, if not, I can't remember the exact number, but a lot, lots of people. And then I just saw Live Nation, the the owner of, you know, concert venues, and they also own Ticketmaster, that that CEO has also donated his salary for the year. I mean, it, it wasn't surprising, but it's funny that those types of things make news because it is sort of. But you know what? It's an example of people being good people. Like, we're all trying to do that in whatever small way we can, like, you know, continuing to pay people if that you would normally hire if you're getting your salary and, you know, just all the different things you can do, tipping your grocery delivery people above and beyond, you know, like people are, I know a lot of people are like doing takeout from their local restaurants, trying to support in whatever way they can. And I think it's good that these CEOs are doing this. And then, you know what? I'm happy for it to make the news because we need more good news right now. Yeah, I guess they don't have to. So it's good that they did. Yeah, I just thought we'd share that because I thought it was interesting. And at first I was thinking, yeah, why is this news? Because, you know, they should be doing well, it. Well, think but... about it this way. If there's only like two that you've read about, think about how many are not donating. Yeah, their that's salaries. fair. That's fair. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe some more will follow in their footsteps. All right, Maureen, the second snack bag topic. So we mentioned that Saturday Night Live tried to do a an at-home episode. And I just read right before we started recording that there's another show that will be trying an at-home version of their show. And that is American Idol. So before the whole pandemic started, they had filmed and gotten down to 20 contestants. And now they originally said we're going to try to you know put this on hold until we can get back together and film in front of an audience and and now they're saying we're going to try this from home so they I, I don't know what the plan is that exactly hard yeah so normally the top 20 would perform in front of a live studio audience and then people would vote from home and you know there'd be the crowd there cheering them on now they're all going to be at home and attempting to perform and i don't know what kind of technology they're going to have i would assume that american idol has enough money that they can equip the contestants with some sort of recording equipment please you know you know i railed on this podcast before about people who have the resources but don't do that you know when they're recording at home but i really don't know i i feel like it's going to be a weird thing i i'm interested in tuning in at least to one just well, to see american idol is that it's all about like live singing recorded singing is very different no i i i don't mean i don't think they're gonna record things i know but they're gonna be on a zoom call yeah with katie perry and lionel richie and luke bryan they could listen while they while the person sang right yeah like they could be on there and ryan seacrest could be on there hosting but you're still not hearing the sound 
like pure you're hearing it through a digital right and and the other thing too is that they're going to have some recording they're singing along to as opposed to a live band which i think is pretty traditional at that stage so i think it will be different i'm just curious how it's going to be executed because most shows that are wrapping up or trying to wrap up that like reality shows that had live studio audiences they they have to come up with something different. The show we really like, Survivor, usually has a big reunion show, and they just announced they're going to do the whole thing over Zoom to like wrap things up, which is kind of a bummer because, especially for this season, because the current season of Survivor is all previous winners. No spoilers in case you're catching up. But I just feel like it's sort of like anticlimactic. Now I get it, and I'm I'm all for it, but you know for the safety of everybody. But you know you have all these amazing players, and they're all going to be reuniting over zoom to sort of like find out who wins i feel like we've been having a a lot of discussions like amongst my different groups of girlfriends over text and chat and also like josh you were mentioning this today but like and i've read a lot of articles specifically about working moms and how this pandemic is really changing the landscape for what's possible and what's expected. And I think people are realizing it that there are virtual ways to do things that may or may not be just as effective, if not more. So for example, do working parents have to be in the office every day? Or are there more opportunities for people to work remotely now that we know that we can do it kind of thing? Um, that's very different than the survivor zoom call but i think that it's there's something to be said for there's been people who have not been on the live show before because they couldn't travel or they just had a baby or they you know that's true had family things or were caring for someone whatever it may be i'm hoping that the world takes all of the virtual progress we've made and kind of makes that more socially acceptable rather than stigmatized of like oh you're missing out on something or oh you're not as participatory i think you know, there could be a lot of good that comes out of this in terms of realizing that we can do a lot of things virtually and they're still good quality. No, I I think that that is well taken and I totally agree with that. I just think that, you know, there are certain things that you're going to want to maintain the if you can gather together as people that they're going to be more effective than being virtual. But I totally take your point. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if sort of the leniency that we've seen, like if you're a working parent at home and you're working and your child runs in, previously it was sort of a stigma. Currently, during this current time, it's more like, oh, that's so cute. It's okay. We're all at home. But if we go back to a point where some people are at home and some people are in the office and your child were to do that then, would there still be that, oh, it's okay. That's so cute. Or will it be, hey, we're expecting you to be at home working and not caring for your child. So I think in that respect, it'll be interesting to see how companies and organizations approach this idea of, yes, we can be virtual, but is it going to work in the same way? I think it's just a matter of who is in charge and, and what their feelings are on the whole matter. Yeah, I agree. If you can figure out a way to trust your employees, I think they'll do better work if you give them more leeway to kind of live their lives. I know I'm certainly busting my butt and you have been too. And maybe some of our working hours happen in the evening after Caleb goes to bed, but the quality of work I think is maybe even better. Yeah. No, you're not going to find any disagreement for me. All right, Maureen, should we move on to our premier topic this week? Let's do it. All right. So originally we were going to talk about something else, but then I realized that last Wednesday was the series finale 
of Modern Family, one of the longest running sitcoms on television. And I feel like we can talk about it a little bit because I think you watched it for almost its entire run. I watched it for, I think, the first five, six seasons or something like that. And then I would catch it here and there. Was not a regular watcher after a certain time. But it was sort of like a new thing when it when it premiered in 2009. So I'll give you a little background if you're not familiar with the show. Modern Family is an American television mockumentary family sitcom created by Christopher Lloyd and Stephen Levitan for ABC. The series ran for 11 seasons from September 2009 to April 2020 and followed the lives of Jay Pritchett and his family, all of whom live in suburban Los Angeles. And the whole concept of the show is that all of these different family units that they focus on were very different and not not necessarily traditional. And so it was an ensemble cast show. The show was very heavily lauded in its first five seasons. I think it won the Emmy for Best Comedy Series five times in a row until it sort of tapered off. It also won, I think, 17 other Emmys. A lot of the cast won Emmys for their work on the show. Both Eric Stone Street and Ty Burrell won twice, and I believe Julie Bowen won twice as well. So it was a very well-respected show, and it just came to an end after its 11th season just this past Wednesday. So Maureen, first of all, give me your overall impression of the show. Do you remember when you first started watching it? Did you start at the very beginning, or did you catch up, or what do you remember? I caught up. I think the first season I ended up seeing on DVD. Maybe the first and second. I don't know. I think the first season at least. And then I was kind of hooked. And this is one that even until, like, you know, even after we moved here, like, I've been recording this show on DVR and watching it. I really like it. It's a very feel-good show. It always makes me laugh. And again, it's one that you can like watch on DVR without commercials in 20 minutes. So like on a work night, if you just want to unplug for a little bit, but you still have stuff to do or need to get to bed or whatever it may be. I don't know. I just I have loved this show pretty consistently and have always kind of watched it. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. I think I think all the seasons are funny. Obviously, at the beginning, it was so the timing of the show is just the comedic timing is really strong. And because it's so. It has so many different types of families that it represents. There's something for everyone. You know, when I first started watching it, I did not relate as much to like the mom and dad characters as I do now that we have a kid. But it's just so funny. And I think that they play play up dynamics of like parents and children, but they also play up dynamics of like grown kids and their grown parents. Um which we can all relate to as well as sibling dynamics, especially between the characters of Mitchell and Claire. And it's just funny. Like, it's just there's literally something in every episode that you can be like, yeah, I totally get that. Or like that totally happened to be or sometimes it's just, well, they're a little crazier than my family. And that makes me feel good today. But I think that the strength of the ensemble cast, which everyone was there from the beginning and they all stayed. And when we recently rewatched the pilot after watching the last episode, I even realized that like one of the more tertiary characters, Dylan, the boyfriend of one of the, of Haley, the daughter. I mean, he was in the pilot. Like this is bananas to me. Like they all kind of stay consistent and that is really nice. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I remember watching the show when it premiered in 2009, and I remember texting my sister about how funny I thought the characters were. And I just, I remember it being one of my favorite comedies 
for at least the first five or six years it was on. I can't remember what it was about the show where I ended up tailing off. I just felt like it started to get a little repetitive in its comedy, not necessarily the jokes they were telling, but just that the style of comedy was was sort of the same. And it's it's the definition of a show where the characters don't truly evolve that much. I mean, they're in watching the first episode versus the last episode, one of my favorite characters when I first started watching, the dad, Phil, he's pretty much the same. I mean, they've evolved a little bit, but like the relationship he has with his father-in-law, Jay, is pretty much the same in the, the pilot and the series finale. And so I think after 11 seasons of that, it, it sort of wears on you a little bit. At least it did for me. And in in contrast to a show like The Office or Parks and Rec or maybe even Friends that also had long runs, the characters were already sort of at least the the main characters, so the parents or you know the adults in the show were all sort of set in their relationships. And I think that's one of the things I like most about comedies is when they're dynamic relationships that shift. And while there were like sibling conflicts the characters were married or with their partner and that didn't change. So that removes like a whole element of a show that I find appealing in comedies. I will say it is sort of like the definition of like situational comedy. Like the situations that the characters are in are really funny. And as I said, the character I like the most and probably still like the most, even watching the finale is Phil, the dad, and that's just because now I'm a dad and I see myself in like that character being goofy and sort I of mean, like a thousand percent. We re- when we rewatched the pilot, Maureen was like, "That is you." Like the way that he acts, he's like trying to be the cool dad, but he's not really that cool. I mean, you can't see me right now, but I have a mustache and just a mustache, and that's like something that Phil would do in the show. Like he, I don't think he ever does that specifically, but that he type of thing. He also really likes magic tricks, as do you. Yeah, and you like know. there's just some like shtick about his character that you also just happen to embody. Yeah, I just think that it was sort of like the idea of the show, this presenting different family units. So there's a gay couple, there's uh, a couple where an older person, Jay, marries a younger woman who's Latina, and then you have a traditional family, a mother, father, and then three kids. But you know that it was sort of. I don't I don't know if it was revolutionary. It was it was interesting for sure. It was interesting at worst and revolutionary at best, and I think that was kind of what appealed to a lot of people. Now, you could still say there was a lot of room for improvement in diversity still even beyond that, but it was certainly a step in a good direction showing that the family model doesn't just have to be a mother and father and that it can still work and that you will have conflict, but that you can still get along as well. I think that's a great summary. I think that Modern Family is a a great watch. If you have not seen it yet, or if you've only seen it intermittently, I think especially now while we're all at home, this is one to rewatch. This is one to start at the beginning, watch an episode a night, or binge it if you have time. But like, watch it from start to finish because it's it's worth it and it's enjoyable and it will bring some laughter into your home right now do you think it should have continued beyond the season or do you think that they I found think it a good could way have. i think it could have but it didn't need to. i mean like it could have really ended any time yeah. i mean i guess because there was no overarching plot that they were following i guess my question for you would be did it go too long but also if not did you find the finale satisfying i don't think it went too long i th- 
think I found the finale mildly satisfying. It seemed a little bit like you got like two or so episodes where they were like wrapping it up. So it wasn't like this long drawn out. I mean, like some of the leads they kind of built out like spoiler alert for anyone who's going to rewatch it. But like, you know, Cam is applying to this job in a different state. I don't know. I mean, like there, it, it's it's time in that like the kids are older, right? You get to this place and all sitcoms where the kids go to college or they're supposed to go to college. And you're like, how do you keep writing this in? I mean, like several of the kids have like graduated from college. Um or not, and they're old enough that they could have. So I think it's definitely time. And I think they did a perfectly fine job of wrapping it up. Again, this is not like a drama where you're like, what was the mystery the whole time? I mean, this is just, the way I felt about it is like, the families will, you know, the fictional families aren't going to really keep going on, but like the families are all just going to keep on keeping on. And we just don't get to see that anymore. Yeah, no, I think that's a good summary. I will say one of the things that other comedies have employed before that I think is somewhat effective is sort of showing what happens in the future. So I think Parks and Rec did this. They sort of projected into the future like five or 10 years and you sort of saw what the characters were up to. And I always find that a sort of interesting way to wrap up a comedy because I think they'll have like a reunion show or like it'll be like a one hour special of like. Yeah, they certainly could. Although like what more story is there to tell? I mean, I guess since the family sort of split apart to go their own ways at the end of the show that I suppose you could have a reunion where they all come back together for like a Thanksgiving dinner and that might be interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Maureen, who would you say is your MVP of the show? Who is who's your favorite character if you had to pick one? I mean, definitely. Phil and Claire. I think probably Phil because Claire is a little too similar to me. I've been told that I'm the Claire, right? She's a little more. I think I told you that. A little more. Yeah, you did. (laughs) A little more controlling. She's also a very loving mother, but and she's beautiful. She's a little neurotic, just like you are. Thanks, honey. Good save. (laughs) Um, but Phil is a much more funny character to just kind of like laugh at, and he, he, she's the straight man. So like, she plays a very different role. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Phil too, but my, the other one I really like is Cam. And I just think that he's he's very dramatic. Like so he's one of the the people in the gay couple and he's ju- he's like the more outgoing dramatic of the two. And so his boyfriend at the beginning and then husband later in the show, Mitch, plays that straight man role and I just find the outgoing funny characters more appealing than than the straight man in most shows. Who would you say is your least valuable player? Anybody on the show? It could be a, a secondary Grown up character. Manny. Grown up Manny. Little Manny was great. Little Manny was great. So Manny is one of the children characters. And as he kind of, he's this like. Over- he's sort of like this like suave or he wants to be the suave guy, but he's sort of like this really chubby He's like an 80 year old trapped in like a 10 year old's body when the whole thing starts. But by the time he gets to high school and college, he's just kind of annoying. And Do you think that's really- because the actor was not as good as he was as a kid no, or because I think they don't the really character. evolve his character enough. You know, like he doesn't really he just kind of becomes this like theater nerd which you you would think would appeal to me, but it it is a little overplayed. I don't know. I just don't find his plot lines very funny. Yeah, I was going to say my my least valuable player are the kids. And I think it doesn't just it's not just Manny. It's it's the rest of the kids. They're great when the show starts because they are kids. But you're right. As they grow up, 
the writers struggle to find interesting things for them to do. Like, why are they still there at home? And I think some of it makes sense. Like, oh, I didn't finish college and I'm going to move back home. Or, But for like, there's a there's a character who's supposed to be really smart and she ends up back home anyway or stays in the area. And I just feel like once they're not supposed to be there anymore, you got to move on from them because they're just, there's, there's not a, a normal way to keep writing those characters. So I think you already said to wrap up this conversation about Modern Family, if no one's seen it, would you recommend watching it? Yes, definitely. So I think the tricky thing is finding where to watch it. And we were trying to rewatch the pilot and we have this free trial of Hulu and I thought maybe we'll just watch it there. Apparently it's not on Hulu, which is very surprising because Hulu is owned by Disney, which owns ABC, which produced the show. So I'm not really sure why the whole series, unless I was totally missing it, but I couldn't find any of the early seasons. I could just find the most recent season, season 11. I will say that if you have traditional cable, it's one of those ones that's in syndication. It's on all the time. So I'm sure you could catch an episode. And to that point, it's not one of those shows you need to watch every episode. So you could pick it up here and there. If you sort of know the general dynamics of the the cast and the characters, I don't think you'll have a problem picking up how the show operates. And it's pretty funny jumping in at any point. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's our topic on Modern Family this week. And one thing left to do this week, that's teasers. Maureen, last week you didn't have a teaser. Do you have a teaser this week? I do. Oh boy. What is it? The pilot of Seinfeld. No, that can't be your teaser. Yes, it can. It's my teaser because don't watch it. It's so terrible. I had recently been talking, I think I was talking to my brother about this, about how like, oh, Seinfeld, and that's another 30 minute like situational comedy. Like, could I've, I've seen tons of episodes, one offs of this. So I watched the pilot last night. It was so slow moving and so boring and just so unrelatable. And I don't ever want to watch another one again so someone please reach out to us and tell me why i'm wrong and why you love seinfeld and why it's the smartest thing ever but the pilot was rough the pilot was rough i was sitting there with maureen watching it i'd never seen it before and we watched i was sort of half watching it half not watching it and it is it's tough to watch it, it might get better I don't know. It was. It there was are not some good. really funny episodes of Seinfeld, like the one with the meat in the pockets and man hands, and like there's a lot of classic whatever. But something about the show was just a little like kind of boring and sad. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they did say it's a show about nothing, so there you yeah, go. All right. Well, that's an interesting teaser. Something not to watch. Yeah. Well, my teaser this week is a pair of movies that I rewatched recently that are both on Netflix and I would highly recommend them. They're really enjoyable, really easy to watch. In fact, I've told several people outside of the podcast that they should watch them if they've never seen them or even rewatching them. Their connective tissue is that they're both written by Aaron Sorkin. They are not this, they are not similar movies other than, I guess they are kind of similar movies. They are both about tech founders. One is The Social Network, which is about Mark Zuckerberg and the beginning of Facebook. And the other one is Steve Jobs, which is about Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. So I guess that's a connective tissue as well. Both are just really fast-paced, fun, interesting movies. I don't know exactly how much truth there is in each of them. Both of them were based on biographies or stories of the actual people, but I'm sure there was creative license taken in both the writing and the directing. So The Social Network was directed by David Fincher, was nominated for Best Picture, won a couple Academy Awards. Steve Jobs was directed by Danny Boyle. It was nominated for a couple Academy Awards, including 
two acting awards. I think that those might have been the only awards it was nominated for, but the person who played Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender, and the person who played his close confidant in the movie played by Kate Winslet, also nominated. I just find them both really interesting. If you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin at all or any of his work, it's kind of got that like zippy style and totally worth watching. I think both are just about two hours long. One fun fact about Steve Jobs, the movie, is that the screenplay is 190 pages long. And typically the rule of screenplays is that one page equals one minute of screen time. But the dialogue is so fast that they are able to move through that 190 pages of dialogue in just about two hours. So very fast paced, very fun movies to watch. If you have a couple hours and you're looking for something to watch, I would highly recommend. And if you have, you've seen them before, they're easy to rewatch as well. So check them out. They're both on Netflix. All right, Maureen, anything else this week? No, that's it. All right, we'll be back next week. I'm sure Maureen will be horizontal again, and we will talk to you then. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting in our basement with a brand new episode. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Josh thought it was New York, everyone. Okay. Literally last night. He's like, that doesn't look like New York. Yeah, I realized it was Chicago after Maureen pointed it out to me, and I recognized the Sears Tower, whatever it's called now, the Willis Tower. I don't even know. We'll always call it the Sears Tower.